greatest story ever told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 168 Remember Me for Good The 52-day construction of Nehemiah's wall ended just in time to celebrate the fall festivals. When Ezra first read from the Bible in the presence of all the Jews, the people wept and mourned because they realized they had been breaking many of God's laws. But because the day was one of rejoicing, Ezra and Nehemiah told them to wipe their tears and to celebrate as God had commanded. The Jews followed God's instruction in happiness and joy. Once the Feast of Tabernacles was completed, however, and they were no longer in the period of rejoicing, the Jews knew they had much to repent of. God had allowed them to return from slavery, yet for many years they hadn't kept his law. On the second day after the feast, the Jews gathered together once more for an assembly. This time, no one was rejoicing. Dressed in sackcloth with dust scattered upon their faces as an outward sign of repentance, the group looked pitiful. The entire congregation was also fasting to be further humbled before God. For a quarter of the day, they read from the Book of the Law. Following their study of where they had gone wrong, they confessed their personal sins to God in prayer for another quarter of the day. Shortly after noon, a group of priests stood up before the people and confessed to God aloud on behalf of the Jewish remnant. Following is a portion of that powerful prayer. You alone are the eternal God. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. When you brought our forefathers into this land, you subdued the mighty Canaanites. Our fathers captured fortified cities and fertile land. They took possession of houses filled with all kinds of good things, wells already dug, vineyards, olive groves, and fruit trees in abundance. They ate to the full and were well nourished. They thoroughly enjoyed the luxuries of your great goodness. But they were disobedient and rebelled against you. They turned their backs on your law. They killed your prophets who had warned them to turn back to you. They committed awful blasphemies, so you delivered them into the hands of their enemies who oppressed them. But then, when they were oppressed, they cried out to you. From heaven you heard them. And in your great compassion, you gave them saviors who rescued them from the hand of their enemies. But again, as soon as they were at rest, they did what was evil in your sight. Then you abandoned them to the hand of their enemies so that they ruled over them. And when they cried out to you again, you heard from heaven. And in your compassion, you delivered them time after time. 
For many years you were patient with them. By your spirit you warned them through your prophets. Yet they paid no attention. So you gave them into the hands of the neighboring peoples. But in your great mercy you did not put an end to them or abandon them. For you are a gracious and merciful God. Now therefore, our God, the great God, mighty and awesome, who keeps his covenant of love, do not let all this hardship seem trifling in your eyes, the hardship that has come on us, on our kings and leaders, on our priests and prophets, on our ancestors and all your people, from the days of the kings of Assyria until today, and all that has happened to us. You have remained righteous, you have acted faithfully, while we acted wickedly. Our kings, our leaders, our priests, and our ancestors did not follow your law. They did not pay attention to your commands or the statutes you warned them to keep. Even while they were in their kingdom, enjoying your great goodness to them and the spacious and fertile land you gave them, they did not serve you or turn from their evil ways. But see, we are slaves today, slaves in the land you gave our ancestors so that they could eat its fruit and the other good things it produces. Because of our sins, its abundant harvest goes to the kings you have placed over us. They rule over our bodies and our cattle as they please. We are in great distress. As the priests neared the conclusion of their prayer to God before the people, they revealed an open scroll, placing it on the ground in front of them. This is why we are making a binding agreement with you to be obedient. They continued praying. We have put it in writing, and all our leaders with the priests and the Levites, as representatives of your remnant here today, will sign it and affix their personal seals to it. Following the prayer, the leaders of the Jews came forward to sign this new oath of obedience to God. Nehemiah, as the governor of the Jews, was the first to apply his personal seal to it. The document was a reaffirmation that they would follow the laws of the Bible, paying special attention to adherence to the Sabbath day, laws on intermarriage, and the paying of tithes to ensure the service of the temple sacrifices and function could continue unabated. After signing of the document, Nehemiah continued to serve in the capacity of governor for the remainder of the twelve years that Artaxerxes had allowed him to be in Jerusalem. He ensured that the city was well protected and that the people maintained their part of the covenant with God. He paid special regard to the temple service and ensured that the Levites and the singers were always provided for so they could continue their service to God on behalf of the nation. In his entire tenure as governor, he refused to tax the people for his own benefit, but instead often opened his home up to many of the Jews, feeding sometimes up to 150 people at a time. Relations with some of the nations around also improved, with Nehemiah occasionally inviting some of them to eat at his table. However, after 12 years, Nehemiah had to return to Susa and his service to Artaxerxes, as he had promised years earlier. The Bible does not mention how long Nehemiah stayed in Susa, 
But at a later time, he obtained leave from Artaxerxes once again and returned to Jerusalem as governor. When he returned, he was distressed by the state of Judah. In many cases, he found the Jews committing the very same sins that had entrapped them years before. Particularly distressing was the fact that Nehemiah and the other leaders had signed a covenant with God not to return to these sins. Nehemiah immediately set to work to cleanse the nation once again as best he could. He recorded his actions to remove the sins of Judah one final time in his own memoirs. The following are the final words of Nehemiah as recorded in his book. Sometime before I arrived in Jerusalem the second time, Eliashib, the high priest, was in charge of the storerooms of the Holy Temple. He became allied with my enemy, Tobiah, the governor of Ammon, and had provided him with a great chamber in the temple precinct for his residence. This room was meant to store the grain offerings and incense and temple articles, and also the tithes of grain, new wine, and olive oil, all things that were to be given to the Levites, musicians, gatekeepers, and priests so they could fulfill their temple duties. When I got back to Jerusalem, I learned about this evil thing Eliashib had done in providing Tobiah a room in the courts of the house of God. I was outraged and threw all Tobiah's household goods out of the room. I then gave orders to purify the rooms and put the equipment of the house of God with the grain offerings and the incense back into them. Later I learned that the Levites had not been given the portions assigned to them and that all the Levites and musicians responsible for the temple service had gone back to their own fields in order to survive. The people had stopped tithing. So I rebuked the officials and asked them, why is the temple of God being neglected? Then I called them together and returned them back to their duties. And all Judah then brought the tithes of grain, new wine, and olive oil into the storerooms. I put Shelemiah the priest, Zadok the scribe, and a Levite named Padiah in charge of the storerooms because they were considered trustworthy. They were made responsible for distributing the supplies to their fellow Levites. Oh God, remember me for these things and do not blot out what I have so faithfully done for the house of my God and his services. In those days I saw people in Judah treading wine presses on the Sabbath to make wine and others bringing in grain and loading it on donkeys together with wine, grapes, figs, and all other kinds of loads. And I was shocked to see them bring all this into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. Therefore I warned them against breaking the Sabbath and selling food on that day. I also noticed that there were people from Tyre, a heathen city, north of Israel, residing in Jerusalem. They completely disregarded the Sabbath day, bringing into the city fish and all kinds of merchandise and selling it to the people of Judah on the Sabbath. When I saw this, I rebuked the nobles of Judah and said to them, what is this wicked thing you're doing desecrating the Sabbath day? Didn't our ancestors do the same things? And wasn't that the reason our God brought all this calamity on us and on this city? And yet you are stirring up more wrath against Israel by desecrating the Sabbath. 
Therefore, when the evening shadows fell on the gates of Jerusalem before the Sabbath, I ordered the doors to be shut and not opened until the Sabbath was over. I even stationed some of my own men at the gates so that no load could be brought in on the Sabbath day. I was shocked when the merchants and sellers of all kinds of goods then decided to spend the night outside Jerusalem on the Sabbath day just waiting for the gates to be opened. I warned them, saying, What are you doing? If you do this again, I'll come down there and lay hands on you. From that time on, they no longer came on the Sabbath. Then I commanded the Levites to purify themselves and to go guard the gates to the city in order to keep the Sabbath day holy. Remember me for this also, my God, and show mercy to me according to your great love. Furthermore, in those days I saw men of Judah who had married foreign women from Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. I was shocked to hear that half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod or the language of one of the other peoples and did not know how to speak our language. I confronted them over this. I struck some of the men involved in this and pulled out their hair. I made them take an oath in God's name saying, you are not to give your daughters in marriages to their sons, nor are you to take their daughters in marriage for your sons or for yourselves. Was it not because of marriages like these that Solomon, king of Israel, sinned? Among the many nations, there was no king like him. He was loved by his God, and God made him king over all Israel. But even he, all-wise Solomon, was led into sin by foreign women. Must we now hear how you too are doing all this terrible wickedness and are being unfaithful to our God by marrying foreign women? Then I discovered that the grandson of Eliashib, the high priest, was son-in-law to my enemy, Sanballat, governor of the Samaritans. He refused to break off his marriage with the Samaritan woman, so I drove him away from me and the Jews. Remember them, my God, because they defiled the priestly office and the covenant of the priesthood and of the Levites. So finally, I purified the priests and the Levites of everything foreign and assigned them duties, each to his own task. I also made provision for contributions of wood at designated times and for the first fruits. Oh my God, remember me for good. Following Nehemiah's recording of this history, the story flow of the Old Testament ends just before the start of the 4th century BC. For the next 400 years, up to the time of Jesus Christ, the Jews continued to live in the land given to them by God. However, God no longer sent prophets to them as in times of old, and he did not see fit to canonize any more books of the Bible until the time of Christ. As the first century Jewish historian Josephus later wrote, it is true, our history hath been written since Artaxerxes, very particularly, but has not been esteemed of the same authority with the former by our forefathers, because there hath not been an exact succession of prophets since that time. And how firmly we have given credit to these books of our own nation is evident by what we do. For during so many ages as have already passed, no one has been so bold as either to add anything to them, to take anything from them, or to make any changes in them. But it has become natural to all Jews immediately 
and from their very birth to esteem these books to contain divine doctrines and to persist in them, and if occasion be, willingly to die for them. To be continued in our next episode and continue the adventure by reading the Bible story. Find it under the Resources tab at pcg.church.